right, well, for our pastoral prayer this morning, we're going to be praying over a couple of items. First of all, I want us to be praying for uh, Stacy Pascarella uh, as she is journeying back. And the journey continues, doesn't it, Pastor Tom? So we just need to pray for her and uh, the girls. Then also, we are going to be praying for Snowbird because they'll be starting camp, I believe, next week, uh, which is awesome. And then I want to be praying for our teenagers as we go to camp. Uh, the first week of July. So that's coming quick. So let's pray together. Father, we love you and we're grateful that we rejoice over the way that uh, you put things in people's hearts to do, Lord, to use gifts, talents, and abilities for your glory and for the good of others. So I just rejoice over what Stephen just shared. Uh, God, I thank you for him. And the giftedness that he has and and just the love for you and and i thank you for andy as well god i thank you for all that andy does that no one sees but you see and so just i pray that he's encouraged today god we do pray for stacy as she journeys back home lord that you have your hand upon her life keep her safe while she's driving and then father this latest um, struggle in the journey to return God we pray that you work all things out and uh, Lord help her just to rest in you I pray especially right now for Tom as he is uh, separated many miles away from his bride and his girls and I'm sure his heart is torn and wants to be with them and, and help them Lord help him just to rest in you that they'll be okay that you'll take care of them that you'll see them through. And uh, Lord, we pray for the rest of their journey to be event-free, Lord. Uh, Father, I pray, God, for Snowbird. Thank you, Father, for um, the camp and what they stand for, their love for your glory, their love for the gospel, uh, their love for teenagers. God, we're just super grateful for them. And Lord, we pray that this year will be a year where the gospel and your word just transforms the hearts and the lives of so many students and chaperones as well. Uh, Father, I pray for Stephen this morning as he's preparing to serve his first summer there. Uh, God, we rejoice over what you're doing in him, and God, we pray that you use him. Father, we pray for Christina as well. Uh, God, that you use her as she does her second summer there. It's pretty awesome. And then, Father, we pray for our own teenagers, God, that you prepare their hearts, you prepare their minds. God, that you get them ready spiritually uh, to hear the gospel, to be transformed by the gospel, to be transformed by your word. We pray, God, for safe travel. We pray for protection. We pray for provision. And more than anything, God, we pray that we'll all be transformed to the image of Christ. So we love you, God. We thank you that we can pray over these things. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. I want to invite you to stand to your feet as we worship the Lord through giving and as we worship the Lord through song.
Please join us as we sing, Speak of Lord. Today we'll be reading in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verses 12 through 18. <clears throat> the Word of God says, I the preacher have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and search out by wisdom all that is done under, the, under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. 
and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this is also, also is but a striving after wind. For in much wisdom is much vanity, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this day, Lord God. And Father, we thank you for your word. Father God, your word speaks truth. It is vanity to seek after so much, Lord God. But you fulfill all in us, Lord God. So Father, we pray that the gospel continue to be preached, Lord God, to us. And may we continue to be conformed to it, Lord God. Father, we ask that you be with our pastor as he brings his message, Lord God. Your message, Lord God. Father, may you bless him in the time that he spent for today's message. And may he speak with such boldness and authority that you have given him, Lord God. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Um, a lot's happened in the last few weeks. It seems like it's been about a month since I've been here, but I think it's only been a couple weeks. But um, one of the, next week, I'll be flying up to uh, Georgia to look at a generator, the generator that we may purchase, or not we, but that will be purchased to go to Chad to set up the medical or the eye and dental clinic there in Chad. So I'll be praying for that. I'll be, I'll fly out on Friday morning and I'll fly back home on Saturday. We'll be meeting also to decide what sort of things to put on the Connex boxes that go to um, Ghana and to Chad. We'll be doing that. Plus, I'll get to spend some time with David and my grandkids and Rebecca. Um, so that'll be good. Another opportunity has come up for me to help at the in the Big Lake Baptist Association. Just help them uh, with churches, the missions of churches. I'm not sure how that's all going to look, how that'll play out. Um, but the idea is to get the churches working together, you know, in missions efforts. So, um, so I'll see and let you know how that's going. Um, so that's an opportunity coming up. And um, in considering that, I had to think about it. There's only 168 hours in a week. So I'll just have to figure out how to balance all the things that need to be done. Uh, in that so pray with me for that as well so this week um, we're continuing in our May month of missions there seemed like there's something else I wanted to tell you I'll remember I'll remember tonight while I'm trying to sleep <laughs> so um, May month of missions. Where, where, where have we been? 
Well, if you remember, Pastor Tom uh, took us through a journey talking about the great commandment, and that great commandment is loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And he did a very good job teaching that to us and revealing some truths to us from God's Word uh, and how it relates to missions. And then Pastor Eric uh, took the second commandment and taught us about loving our neighbors as ourselves and how we can use our gifts to serve others. Um, that's how we love others, is by serving them. And that then last week, Pastor Doug took us on a journey through uh, using your spiritual gifts for the benefit of others and for the furtherance of the kingdom. And this week, I'll be talking about um, <clears throat> things that dis could disqualify us as a church and, ind and as individuals of fulfilling that great commission of discipling others and in the church. And another thing Doug taught us is that we can't do this thing alone. It takes all of us working together to do it. I mean, none of us can just stand out there and just face the world and go and accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. It takes all of us using all of our gifts, working together to accomplish that. And, and next week, since I won't be here, I'll go ahead and introduce uh, uh, Stephen. He was up here a couple minutes ago, and I don't see. Oh, there he is, standing up there with the baby. Uh, I haven't seen that baby yet. I mean to make a point to go see your baby, Stephen. Remind me. But don't just hit me in the side of the head with something really heavy and say, wake up. But he's got the baby back there. But he's got the really difficult job of summarizing all that Pastor Tom, Eric, and Doug and I have preached and bringing it together in a, in a mission statement, if you will. Uh, so pray for him this week uh, that he'll be able to do that as well. Okay, that's where we've been. <clears throat> this week we're going to be looking at some examples in fact, that's what Paul calls it, examples of how Israel, as they was wandering in the wilderness, how they were to flee idolatry and how they got caught up in idolatry as they were coming out of Egypt. So that's what we're going to be looking at, the things that disqualified Israel from going into the promised land, disqualified that generation that came out of Egypt from going into the promised land. Uh, and if you have your Bible here, and it looks like many of you do, just turn with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we'll, be, we'll read the passage, then we'll dig into it. As I was preparing this, and as you're turning... I was thinking this is going to be really long. So I'm up here and I'm trying to not to hurry because I want to do it thoroughly. Um, so I have actually 41 pages I'm looking at here. So that's long. 
All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, I'll begin reading. It says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink and for the... For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be idolaters as were some of them as it is written. The people sat and did eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them did also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the world, uh, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will be with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the opportunity to preach your word to your people today. And Father, we ask that your spirit would go among us and make your word effectual because without your spirit and without you working in our hearts, it'll come to nothing. And Father, we ask, and we know that you promised in your word that your word does not return void. And Father, we ask that your, your word would do that work that only your word can do. For it's the power of God and the salvation. Father, we thank you and we praise you and we honor you for that. Jesus name I pray amen we're talking about spiritual things and the title of the message today is uh, flee the temptation of idolatry <clears throat> and you might be saying I'm a, I'm a Christian I don't have to worry about idolatry we're Christians and we do have to worry about it as you'll see as we get into the text spiritual things or for all of us. You know, notice that Paul made the connection between the experience of Israel and our spiritual benefit. He made that spiritual connection between what physically happened to Israel coming out of Egypt. He made that spiritual connection, and it's for us all. It's for us all. Now, these things are our example. Verse 6. Verse 11 says... 
uh, they were written for our admonition and, and, an and instruction. They were written down for our example. Paul gives us a warning about overconfidence in the blessing of God of spiritual pride. Uh, in verse 12 it says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand, take heed lest he fall. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand, take heed lest he fall. That's kind of the central focus of this passage that we're looking at. It's talking about and, and the story that we're going to look at, we're going to see how God is blessed. God's blessing is upon his people. And we here at Everglades Baptist Church have been greatly blessed. There's things that's happened this past year of God's blessing that only God could do. And only God did. You know, I, I can't keep from thinking of you know, just in our offerings that we we took up last year that y'all gave. Not only did we give a large amount to the building fund, we gave about the same amount to missions. That's a work of God in our lives and in a blessing from God for us to be able to do that. So the point of the message for the point of the message is this don't take for granted the blessing of God and the point of this verse is is don't think that it's something that I did or you do that caused what happened last year was something that was our own doing it was God's blessing we want to understand that God blesses his people and not for any reason that we deserve it only for his own glory we want to remain humble accepting the blessing of God for what they are they're the blessings of God we were the children, where were the children of Israel when these things started for them? Well, if you think about where Israel was before they came out of Egypt, they were in Egypt. They were in spiritual bondage and they were in physical bondage. And if you think about it, uh, God, and God sent Moses there, he sent Moses back into Egypt to bring him out. God brought them out against their own will. They weren't in Egypt thinking, God, come get us and get us out of this place. They weren't. They were more concerned about what was happening to them daily. The taskmasters that were giving them hard work and the Pharaoh telling them to throw their, their, their children into the Nile River for the crocodiles to eat. That's what they were concerned about. But God went in there with Moses and he had a greater plan. A greater plan of redemption. And if you think about that story spiritually, 
it's a it's a marvelous it's a great picture of salvation God came after us against our own will and he changed our will he gave us a heart that could see him he gave us eyes that could see him he gave us ears that would hear him that was God working that was God's blessing and that's what God was doing for Israel when he called them out he was blessing them They were not looking for an escape or a getaway from Egypt. But God said it was time for them to leave and sent Moses. They wanted relief from the harshness of their taskmasters, but God had a greater redemptive plan for them. Some, some people today want God to make their situation better. They do not have much interest in being delivered from the bondage of their situation or the bondage of their sin. They just want God to be a genie that comes and just makes things a little bit better for them, but they can still continue their life. But God does not renovate our heart. He gives us a new heart. He takes out the heart of stone that has no thought of God and gives us a heart of flesh that can love him and follow him and be obedient to him. They were all under the cloud. As we get into verse 1 there, it says they were all under the cloud. And the cloud he's talking about is the blessing that God gave them of shade in the daytime and warmth at night. I can tell you, just being on the edge of the Sahara Desert, that you need protection from the sun. And you just can't go find something and stand in the shade of it like I'm standing in the shade of this tree right now. One thing, there's not any trees this tall out there to get under. But if you find a rock that's big enough to have shade, uh, the shadow it casts is usually pretty small, so you have to get really close to the rock. And you know what? That rock is like an oven. It just radiates heat from it. I remember when we were there after working a long day and I had all my PPE on and it's long sleeves and it's just hot. And come off the ladder and the only shade that was there was there was a building the house that we were staying in there's about maybe three or four foot of shade coming out from the building and they built the house on a stem wall which means the footers extended out from the house and they laid block on it and I went over there and I sat on that little shelf if you will to try to cool off and I took my my long sleeve shirt off and I just had my t-shirt on and I'm just sitting there and I said, man, it's worse being next to the house than it is out in the sun. <laughs> in the so, that was a huge blessing for Israel when God put that cloud over them to shade them from the sun. What it did, it kept the earth from heating up. 
so that radiated heat. And at night, and being in the desert, it cools off very quickly at night. There's a huge temperature swing from night to day. So even, it might be 120, 130 degrees in the daytime, but the temperature dropped 30, 40 degrees at night. And you know when the temperature drops here 30 or 40 degrees, we're all bundled up. We think it's freezing. Well, well, people that live in the desert do the same thing that we do, except it only gets down to 80 or 90, and they're, they're like freezing because they're used to the 120 and 130 degrees. So that's what the cloud did. That cloud of fire gave them warmth at night. So that was a tremendous blessing that God had showed them as they were coming out of Egypt. And that cloud did other things as well. But I don't have that time to look at that. So And they all passed through the Red Sea. You know, when they got to the Red Sea, they were there and they looked behind them and here comes Pharaoh's army after them. And you can see miles and miles and miles in the desert, or at least the dust from things coming in the desert. And they, they, they were looking at that, and God put that cloud in between them and the army, and he told Moses to go hold the staff out over the Red Sea, and it, and it parted so that they could walk across on dry ground. And that's what they did. Israel went right through the Red Sea, and I think they went right through the deepest part of the Red Sea on dry ground. But when... when um, the Egyptian army got in there to try to do the same thing. God just closed up the water on them and then just drowned them. He defeated their army. That was a blessing from God. The cloud and the crossing of the sea were blessings. Then it goes in verse 2 there. It says, they were baptized unto Moses. That doesn't mean that Moses went and baptized all the people that came out of Egypt, because there was about two million of them. That doesn't, it just means that they were baptized, meaning that they were in unity or in union with Moses. Can you imagine trying to lead two million people, one person trying to lead two million people? It takes some unity to do that. And that was a blessing of God that that took place. That was blessing. I mean, I've tried to lead my family or look after my grandkids. And they're all over the place. Can you imagine two million grandkids? <laughs> It was a blessing. It was a blessing, y'all. Can someone say amen? All right. Anybody that has kids, say amen. Amen. All right, y'all. Uh, verse 3, it says, uh, And the children of Israel said unto them, 
Would to God that we died. Whoops, what happened? And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God that we died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat down by the flesh pots, when we did eat bread to full, for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill us, this whole assembly with hunger. You see, Israel, when they, they didn't realize the blessing of God and they started complaining about what are they going to eat? So God gave them manna, gave them bread from heaven. They all did eat of that bread. And Paul connected it, his spiritual bread. Jesus said in John that he's the bread of life. Another example, another example that Paul is bringing to the Corinthian church of, of salvation. Jesus is the bread of life. They ate the bread for 40 years in the wilderness. In verse 4 it says, And did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the, that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. You know, only Christ can make water come out of a rock, y'all. You know, God told Moses to take his staff and strike the rock when they were thirsty and water came flowing out and it was able to feed or give water to drink to two million people plus their livestock. That was a blessing. And 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 5, it says, but many of them were not well Many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness because of their unbelief and because of their grumbling. They disqualified themselves to enter in the promised land. And God said to Moses, He said, Because of this, not one person above the age of 20 will make, go into the promised land. Only two made it. And that was Joshua and Caleb. Out of millions of people, they died in the wilderness because of their complaining. They disqualified themselves because they didn't appreciate the blessing that God had shown them by feeding them and giving them water and giving them safe passage and giving them shade and warmth. They disqualified themselves. 1 Corinthians 10.6 says, Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also did. Paul warns the Corinthians not to lust after evil things, as they did. All of this is for our example. Uh, he says in next verse, um, verse 7, he says, Neither be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. You see, if you read that story back in Numbers and back in Exodus, 
Moses went up on the mountain to get some instructions and he had been up there for 40 days. And the people were getting restless and they, they went to Aaron and they said, we don't know what's happened to Moses. He's been gone. We don't. And they said, give us a God that we can worship. Make us an image that we can worship. They knew God. They knew God brought them out of Egypt. They saw all the blessings and the, the deliverance that he had performed for them. But yet they wanted an image of God to worship. And you know the story. They, he told them to bring their gold and he had made them some kind of image and he made a calf for them. And, and when Moses came down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments, he saw what they were doing and he, he threw them on the ground to break them, to symbolize that they had already broken God's commandment. And what did Aaron say? I just took the gold and I threw it in the fire and this calf walked out. <laughs> they had a heart for idolatry and it disqualified them from going into the promised land. And it says that there were 23,000 of them that died in one day because of that. 23,000. That's the population of Okeechobee. 23,000 in a single day because of their idolatry. And that verse says that they had a meal together and they rose up to play. Notice this, that they rose up to play. Verse 7, it says, Neither be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. And verse 8 explains to us what that means, to rise up and play. It says, Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day, twenty and three thousand of them. When Moses came back, he saw that they, some of them were running around naked. They were committing sexual immorality. And because of that, God killed 23,000 of them. And we talked about that a little bit in Romans chapter 1 about sexual immorality and how it leads to a reprobate mind. Turn in your Bible over to Colossians chapter 3 and we'll look at a verse there that helps us to understand what that is. Colossians chapter 3. In verse 5 it says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication. Now that, in the ESV it says sexual immorality. It says uncleanness and inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry. And in the ESV this is what it says. It says, Put to death therefore what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, 
which is idolatry. All of those things lead to idolatry. And, and in Hebrews, turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. And Paul gave the Corinthian church a warning. He says, don't fall for that. Don't lust after evil things. And in Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so, doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You know, the writer of Hebrews says the same thing. It says, Lay aside that weight that so easily besets us. What is that weight? It's that sin that, that we constantly battle in our lives as Christians. It keeps popping up in our minds, calling us out, calls our name, which is idolatry. Here's another warning in 1 Corinthians 10, 9. It says, Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. You know, they, they were in the wilderness and they began to complain against Moses and Aaron and their leadership. And so God sent these serpents. King James says, says they're fiery serpents. And it started biting the people, and it was killing the people, all those who were bitten. And they went to Moses, and they said, Moses, pray to God that he'll deliver us from these serpents. And God told Moses to make this brass serpent and put it up on a pole. And any person that was bitten was to do what they could to look at that serpent. And when they looked at the serpent, they were healed. That's another picture that Paul is giving the Corinthian church of salvation. You know, we are bitten by that serpent of sin. It's a deadly serpent. Sin produces death. And the Bible says... It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. It's because of sin that we die. We've been bitten by that deadly serpent of sin. But if we look at the cross of Christ where he died for our sin, and we turn to him in repentance and faith, he saves us, he deliver, delivers us from the penalty of sin, which is death. He delivers us from the, the serpent of sin that has bitten us and gives us life. And that story about the serpents is in Numbers chapter 21. You can read that. It's 
interesting, marvelous story, especially if you read it with the lens of the gospel, how they are saved by simply looking to that serpent. And Jesus even referred to himself as that serpent that was lifted up. He said, if I be lifted up, and men look to me. Uh, the story, the basically story, the people became impatient with God and Moses and spake against them. And the Lord sent serpents into the camps and the snake bit, the snake bites were deadly and many were bitten. They repented and asked Moses to pray for them that God would take them away. But instead, the Lord told Moses to make a brass serpent and put it on a pole. And all who were bit, bitten and looked would live. Is that not what happened to us in the gospel when we believe the gospel? All these warnings Paul gives are things that disqualified them from the promise. You know, Hebrews 4, I think, tells us that they didn't enter into God's rest because of unbelief. The, they disqualified themselves from entering in. They disqualified the Corinthian believers and will disqualify us as well. Idolatry. Notice the next qualifier, grumbling. Grumbling. You know, murmuring, complaining disqualified them from entering the promise. Complaining. What does grumbling mean? What does murmuring mean? It means just complaining under your breath. That's what it means. And number 16 tells us that story. It tells us a story where 14,700 died because of their complaining against Moses and Aaron. Paul reminds us again that these are examples for us written for our admonition, for our instruction in verse 11. Now all these things happen unto them for examples. They are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Now we come to that pivotal verse. Verse 12, it says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. We need to examine ourselves rightly through the Word of God and realize that the blessings of God does not equate to our ability. It's God's blessing. When God blesses us with blessings, it's not our ability that we got those. It's God's blessing. And we need to understand and be reminded of that. What do we do? And how shall we live? You know, verse 13 tells us, it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will, su will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But will the temptation also make a way to escape? 
that you may be able to bear it. You know, every temptation that comes our way, we have God's promise. It won't be more than we can bear. He won't allow us to be tempted above that. So what is our escape? How do we escape? If you're in a temptation, how do you escape? One may say, I have this sin that constantly comes to mind. No matter what I do, it comes back again and again and again. What is that sin? How do you escape it? First, we need to remember this. Romans chapter 5, 8. Many of you can quote it. It says, but God commanded his love towards us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Or we could say, while we were yet sinning, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. Roman, or 1 John 1, 8 says this. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. That sin that e easily besets us has to be confessed. That's my point. When you're in that when that sin that besets you comes up in your heart, in your mind, and it's, it's as it were calling your name to come look at this picture on the internet or come do this thing or come complain about something. That way of escape is confession. It's confession. You know, sometimes when that sin comes, it's like wading in the water before we know it, we're neck deep in it. But wherever it is that we realize that we're falling for that temptation, that sin that besets us, even if we're not neck deep or it's over our head, we confess it. We need to realize and say that it is sin. And this sin leads to idolatry. And as Christians, we don't want to have idolatry any part of our lives. And the way we overcome that is by confession. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I heard John MacArthur say that this past week, he says, if we are confessing while we're sinning, God is continually cleansing us from the sin. Even while we're sinning, we can confess. And he is forgiving us for that sin. That's how we get delivered from that sin that easily besets us. So the next time that sin comes up, we may only get chest deep and we confess it. Then the next time we might be belly button deep and we confess it. Then the next time we may be knee deep and ankle deep. But the key is to keep confessing it and asking God. As my brother Chimo taught me, he says we need to constantly ask God to give us a new heart. A new heart that follows him and that 
loves him. No matter what that sin is, it can lead to idolatry. And that disqualifies, that can disqualify us as a person and as a church of God using us. It is all sinful. All those things that we don't, we say in our heart, you know what, I can just go a little bit into it. It's all sinful. And it all leads to idolatry. We are continually sinning and confessing to God. And God is continually forgiving. That's a, I, I, I can't comprehend that. I don't know why God would consent, continually forgive a person like me who's continually sinning, but he does. It's incomprehensible for God to do so. <clears throat> And I'm reminded of that song that says the mystery of the cross I cannot comprehend. The agonies of Calvary. You, the perfect Holy One, crushed your Son who drank the bitter cup reserved for me. Your blood has washed me, washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you. It's incomprehensible. By your perfect sacrifice, I've been brought, brought near. Your enemy, you've made your friend pouring out the riches of your glorious grace. Your mercy and your kindness know no end. Your blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. You can be free from the bondage of sin. You can be free from that sin that easily besets you by turning in repentance and faith to Christ, by confessing those sins. You can be free. Flee from all appearances of idolatry. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you and we praise you and we honor you for your glorious grace. 
We thank you and we praise you for your mercy and your grace that know no end. We thank you that you've given us a place at your table. Father, we thank you and we praise you for that. And Father, we just ask that you do that work that only you can do. Cleanse our heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So let's stand and we'll sing our last song. Here's a song that, for the believer, never gets old. We're going to sing Amazing Grace. 